Welcome to Northridge Church, man. We are pumped and excited to have you this morning. Shout out to our Webster family. We love you guys at our Webster campus. Thanks for joining us. To those of you engaging with us online and our online campus, whether you're traveling or just at home, logging online, we love you guys at our online campus. Rochester, it is great to be with you. Thanks for joining us. And can I just say, welcome home to each and every one of you. And again, you might get annoyed by me saying it. I'm not going to stop because we truly do desire, we work really hard as a church to make what can feel like a crowd feel like a family. And if you're a guest with us, maybe this is your first time or this is you just checking us out over the course of a month, we get it, right? We understand the bold and courageous move to maybe take your family and your friends and come to a church where you don't know anybody and you don't even know where you're going. And we want to help in that journey. We want to be there for you. And so thank you. We are honored to have you this morning. To our North Ridgers, those of you who call this place home, thanks for making this place feel like a home. Thanks for loving and caring and and watching out and greeting and serving and making this place an amazing church. So to everyone, uh, welcome to Northridge and welcome home. We're honored to have you this morning. And if you haven't been with us, we have been in this series, we're knee deep in the middle of a series called Habits for Change. And in the beginning of a new year, it's the time where we are all hoping and anticipating for change in our life by the end of the year. And so we've been talking about maybe we try a different route to achieve that change. Maybe we put the right habits in our lives that won't change us, but they'll make us godly men and women. And God, we allow God to produce the change that he wants in our lives. And so we've been talking about godly habits that produce godliness. But let me start. When we talk about the the topic of change, I think there's two questions that many of us have. Maybe the first question we have is, why is the right kind of change so hard to achieve? Right, many of us have, you know, we change pretty regularly, but why is the the change that we desperately want, the change that we know we need, the change that, that maybe other people see we need, why is that change, the right kind of change, so hard to grasp, to hold on to? Or maybe a different question. Maybe this is a question you've been thinking about uh, uh, for a couple years now. You look at your life, you examine your life, you look at the people around you and you see their life and you ask this question, why am I not changing? Why are the people around me not changing? Everybody seems to want change, desire change, but yet I don't see much change. And I think the answer to those two questions, why is change hard and why don't most people change is because honestly, we're not willing to sacrifice, because sacrifice is tethered with change. You're not going to change if you're not willing to sacrifice. Let me put it to you like this, right? Many of you at the new year, you said, hey, I love to lose some weight, but the reality is you will never lose weight if you're not willing to give up those things that you love to eat, right? You won't change if you don't sacrifice. Many of you, you've looked at your marriage or your relationship and you say, I want a healthier marriage or, 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 or dating relationship. And here's the reality. You won't have that if you're not willing to sacrifice your needs for the sake of your spouses. It just won't change. Many of you, you want that bod, right? That six pack abs, that bod you've longed for. But the reality is you won't get it if you're not willing to sacrifice an hour of sleep to go to the gym to achieve that body. Because Without sacrifice, there really isn't change. 
And so today we're gonna look at a story of significant sacrifice. If you got your Bibles, Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22 is where we're going to be. So grab your device. You can go ahead and jump to Genesis 22. If you got a physical Bible, it's the very first book of your Bible, chapter 22. And before we dive into Genesis 22, I kind of want to set up the events that led to the storyline in Genesis 22. Because today we're going to talk about a man named Abraham. And Abraham, when he was, if you go to the beginning, early stages of Genesis, Abraham was a pagan man. What that means is he didn't believe in God. He hadn't heard of God until God comes to him and speaks directly to him. And he says, Abram, I want you to leave your family and what you know, and I want you to go to the land I'm leading you to. And he makes this promise to Abraham. He says, if you choose to follow me, live in obedience to me, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. Your descendants will be blessed, and I'm going to establish a great nation through your name, the nation of Israel that we know to today. And so Abraham lives in obedience to God. Here's the problem. If you fast forward his life, he's kind of waiting on the promises of God. He's like, okay, God, I'm waiting for you to be faithful to me because you said you'd bless me with a great nation, my descendants. Here's the problem. I don't have a son. I don't have a son to carry on my name. And so he's 99 years old. 99 years old, waiting and waiting and waiting on God to come through until at the ripe old age of 100, Sarah gives birth to Isaac. So they're in celebration mode. God is faithful. He came through. And so he has his son. God promises that through Isaac's lineage, he would make this great nation. And they're just enjoying their son. He grows older and older. And we pick it up right there at Genesis 22. It says, some time later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here am I, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain I will show you. So here, this this story doesn't take long to get crazy and wild. And honestly, as we navigate through Genesis 22, it's gonna kind of lead to some questions that you have in your head that I just don't have time all this Sunday morning to answer. And so if you listen to our podcast, we're gonna navigate some of those those questions. It's released on Tuesday. It's called A Little Better. And so we'll work through those. But the first question you're gonna ask is, why would God ask somebody to kill their one and only son? That's the first question we have to wrestle with. Like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, how could a loving God ask somebody who he claims to love this request? And remember, the Bible says that God is testing Abraham. And sometimes the tests God puts us through aren't always fun. But here's my belief, and here's what I know to be true about based on the character of God. This was a test. God knew from the beginning he was never going to ask Abraham to go through with this test. And so what, what God is asking Abraham to do is to sacrifice to sacrifice the thing you love the most. Now again, in our 21st century minds, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense because human sacrifice seems kind of insane, right? It seems wild and crazy. But again, we read the Bible from our context. How about we go into their context? Because the truth is, is human sacrifice in this culture was a regular practice. Remember, Abraham is the first Hebrew. He's getting ready to establish Israel and all of God's laws. But for the most part, everybody was just kind of searching for God. And the way they showed their desperation for God in this culture was by offering human sacrifices. And so this wasn't like something that would have been out of the ordinary to them, but to us, it's shocking, it's crazy, it's wild. And so God comes to Abraham, he says, I want you to give up the thing you love the most. I want you to give up your son. 
And right, can you imagine if God asked you of that? Like if you asked me, of like, okay, cool, God, no. <laughs> it's pretty easy. You don't have to think about this one. Uh-uh, not doing it. Like I'm not taking, like, uh, sorry, God, I know. I, I'm supposed to love you and obey you. Like I get it, but, and so you think like Abraham, okay, uh, okay, God, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, I just need some time to kind of process this one. I probably need to make a list of pros and cons and I'm not seeing many pros, God. Um, I probably need to talk to my wife about this one, God. Uh, and so Abraham's kind of left with this, like, what, what do I do? But look what Abraham does. Verse three, this blows my mind. It says, early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. And I, I, I won't even begin to pretend. Like I understand this level and this depth of faith and trust in God. Abraham, give up your one and only son. The next morning, Abraham obeyed. Man, it takes me a long time to get on God's plan and a lot of things. Abraham was like, God, you said it, I'll do it. Because I trust you. Because I love you more than anything else in this world. And so my first responsibility is to obey what you ask me. The next morning he wakes up and he prepares and lives in obedience to God. And you gotta ask the question. I've asked the question, how in the world could Abraham get there? How in the world could he, he obey this crazy and wild command that God gave him? And I want to walk through some of the journey of Abraham's life that, that got him to this place. And I think that the first thing that we have to understand about Abraham is he understood fundamentally what he had wasn't his. He understood that everything that he enjoyed in life, his son, his wife, all the pleasures of life was a gift from God. And can I be honest, right? I struggle with this. We struggle with this. Fundamentally, we push back on this because we're like, oh, I have achieved and I have earned. I'd like to take credit for some of the things that I have in my life that, that I enjoy. But the Bible teaches something very clearly different than that. In fact, look what the Bible teaches. James makes it very clear for all of us in the New Testament. He says, every good and perfect gift is from above. He could have easily said some, many, much. He says every. Here's the bottom line, guys. Everything that you enjoy in life, everything that you take pleasure in, every success you've had, every house that you've lived in, you name it, the things that you love in life is from God. It isn't yours, it's his. He's given it to you freely out of his abundant grace. And Abraham understood this fundamentally and it led him to this place where he, he got this point, right? We receive it, we don't earn it. God gives it to us freely, we don't take the credit for it. And I get it, some of you are gonna push back. I push back, right? Okay, come on. Yeah, I get what you're saying, Drew, but here's the reality. I go to work every day, God doesn't. Right, I, I'm battling with the kids every day, God isn't. And so, okay, I understand that God is so good and he gives us graciously, but come on, give me just a little bit of credit. I'm working my butt off here, but here's what the Bible teaches. Again, we gotta come back to the Bible, not our emotions or our feelings. And that's where we say amen, okay? I'm just saying, are you with me, amen? 
Deuteronomy 8, look what it says. It says, but remember, again, it's a lesson we have to learn today. Just keep remembering, going back. It says, but remember, the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. You see, we take credit for going to work, but God gave you the legs to walk on and do your work. And in a moment's notice, he can take them away. And where will your credit be then? The reality is, is everything that we have is his. We receive it graciously out of his love for us, but it's not ours. And Abraham understood that. He had to understand that, to be willing to give up his one and only son. He had to register in his head that Isaac wasn't his son. It was God's. The second thing that Abraham understood, the second thing that he lived out was Abraham trusted God completely. Can I tell you there's a major difference between trusting God and trusting God completely. Many people today trust God, but they don't trust God completely. And if you, you go back and you look at this story, it, it really is summed up in one word, trust. Because trust is fundamental to, to change. It's fundamental to, to sacrifice. If you don't trust in something, you won't sacrifice for it. And if you go back to September when we launched in fall, we did a seven-week series on trust. Learning to trust God when you don't understand. Learning to trust God and lean on him rather than what you get and you understand. And here Abraham has to live this out. Think about his story. Okay, here's a guy who God calls. He says, I'm gonna make a great nation out of you. He's promised that to him. And so Abraham is waiting and waiting for God to produce that promise, to come through. He finally gives him a son named Isaac. And God says to, to Abraham, through Isaac, I'm going to make this great nation. And then all of a sudden, God comes to him and he says, hey, oh, by the way, I know I promised you all these things, but I want you to give up Isaac. It doesn't make no sense, God. In fact, it's stupid, God. Like, what are you doing? But I want to show you the depth of Abraham's faith in the New Testament. You see, in Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about the, the great leaders of faith and it, it mentions Abraham's story. And look what it says. It says, by faith, we can interchange that with trust. By faith or trust, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead, so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. This is how crazy, this is how big Abraham's faith is, is that he even registered in his mind that if I have to kill Isaac, I believe God is faithful and big enough and capable enough to bring him back from the death to fulfill his promises. You wanna talk about a level of faith, that's it. And here's why trust is so important, because our trust leads to our willingness to sacrifice. It's amazing how this works. We're talking about change, right? And here's the reality. If you want to change, you got to learn to trust because your trust will lead you to sacrifice and your sacrifice will produce the change that you want. Abraham was willing to trust God and his willingness to trust God enabled him to sacrifice anything back to God. And so the story continues. The story gets a little bit hairy here. It says, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire, the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Now, Isaac, his son, is probably a man here. 
around 18 to 30 years old, and he's been through this process. He's done a burnt offering before. And so he's gathering the wood, and he's going through his checklist. He's climbing up the mountain. He's like, hmm, we're missing something really important here. Okay, Dad, I, I, we can have a nice campfire, but we don't have a lamb to sacrifice. This is the whole point. We need a lamb. And he's like, Dad, uh, I'm not sure. I, I know you're 100, Dad, and you might have forgot. I'm hoping you forgot, Dad. We don't have a lamb. And again, you see Abraham's faith. He looks at his son, and you know what you don't see in Abraham here? You don't see worry. You know what you don't see in Abraham here is anxiety. You don't see a guy who's, who's sweating, nervous. He looks at his son and he says, you don't have to worry. God will provide. You don't have to worry. I've seen the faithfulness of God. And so it might not make sense right now, Isaac. You might not understand, but I'm trusting, I'm banking that God will provide. Can you imagine right now in your circumstances that, you're, you're, that are keeping you up at night? Those things that you're filled with worry? Those things you're scared of, if you just stood in faith and said, hey, I don't have to be afraid, God will provide. God is faithful. This is, this is Abraham. And God did provide, verse nine, look what it says. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took his knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here am I, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. So here Abraham and his son see the full provision of God. They were tested by God and they were willing to sacrifice everything to live in obedience to God and they saw his provision. And, and, and can I tell you, some of you, you wanna see God's provision. All of us, we wanna see God's provision. Here's what I'm convinced of. Many of us don't ever get to see the full provision of God because we're not willing to sacrifice like Abraham sacrificed. We're crying out for God for provision and yet we're not willing to give up anything. And so on the topic of sacrifice, let's, let's talk about three things about this word that we have to understand. The first one is sacrifice is the initiator of the right kind of change, right? I would say like this, sacrifice is the key to the engine of change in your life. You will never change unless you're willing to sacrifice. It's just the reality of any kind of change in your life, physical, mental change that, that, that we want in our lives. It's not gonna happen apart from you giving something up to input something better in your life, right? We've been talking about habits and habits are so important in our life. And think about the habits that we've talked about already, right? Week one, we talked about the habit of prayer. 40 days we asked our church to be praying and we're, we're a little over halfway. Hopefully you're still with us. Hopefully you're still having conversations with God, building that habit in your life. This is the second week we talked about the habit of biblical community, of surrounding yourself with people who will help you apply the Bible, build relationships and care for each other. And third, we talked about the habit of consuming God's word, reading God's word, getting to know God through his love letter to you. And here's what I know about every single one of those habits. They require sacrifice. If you're truly gonna have a, a, an in-depth relationship with God through prayer and reading his word, guess what you're gonna have to do? You're gonna have to pull something out of your schedule 
so you can put those in. If, you, if you're gonna have biblical community throughout the week, you're gonna have to pull something that might be important in your schedule to put something more important in your life. It takes sacrifice. If we truly want to change, it will not happen without us being willing to sacrifice. Because sacrifice is the initiator of the right kind of change in your life. Secondly, your sacrifice will impact others. Your sacrifice will have an impact, not on just you, but others. And that's what I love about this story. We see two people changed because of sacrifice. The first one is the obvious, it's Abraham. Can you imagine this moment in Abraham's life where he's willing to sacrifice his one and only son and yet when he's getting ready to do it, God intervenes and says, hold on, Abraham, I was just testing you. I know you fear me. And can you imagine how this was a springboard of change in Abraham's life, how it developed his trust in God, how he was just ready to move forward. This had a huge impact on Abraham's life, but not just his life. Because one side of the story we rarely look at is Isaac's point of view. Can you imagine what this said to Isaac? That his dad was willing because he loved God that much to sacrifice him. Isaac trusted God too because remember, Isaac is, is, is a man here. He's around 18 to 30 years old. And, and here's what I know. It says in the scriptures that Isaac, that Abraham bounded Isaac. And I don't know about you, but I, I would bet money that a 30-year-old could probably take a 100-year-old. Right? So if Isaac didn't want to be a part of this, he would have been like, okay, dad, it's time to rumble and you can lay down on the altar. Right? I'll, I'll play your role, dad. Sounds good to me. No, Isaac willingly laid down. Do you want to know why? Why would Isaac willingly lay down? Because he saw it in his father ever before they got to the altar. Right? Can you imagine what Isaac saw when he laid down on that altar and he looked up into the eyes of his father, seeing a dad who loved God enough, who was willing to give up him. You see, parents, grandparents, nieces, and uncles, you know, we, we want to see our kids follow God. We want to see our kids sacrifice to God. But let me tell you, don't expect it in them if they don't see it in you. Right? We, we want all these things. We dream big dreams for our kids, and yet we don't dream big faith dreams for ourselves. And the example that you set as dad, as mom, as grandparent, as niece and nephew, as friends, in any relationship, the, the, the example of sacrifice that you set will have dramatic impact on people around you because Isaac was changed by Abraham's willingness to sacrifice. The third thing you have to understand about sacrifice is the hardest thing to give up is the thing you love the most. Think about that for a second. What do you love the most? What is the one thing in your life right now that you hold so tightly to that if God asked you for it, you'd say no? What is that in your life? What is the thing in your life that you just haven't surrendered to God? And I'm gonna press in here because I think for many Christians, the one area of our life that we hold too tightly to is our finances. It's our money. It's the area where we say, God, thanks, and I trust your provision, but I'm not willing yet to give this back to you. And I think what we need to learn in our lives is we need to learn the habit of sacrifice. 
We need to live to learn a life with open hands saying, God, everything I have is yours. And at any moment you ask for it back, I'll surrender it to you. Whether it's our finances, our kids, our future, our relationships, our dating, our marriages, it's this, God, thank you for it. But the moment you want it back, I trust you with it. The habit of sacrifice. And here's what's hard about the habit of sacrifice is it's not like reading God's word or praying where we just naturally know, oh, this is how you build the habit of sacrifice in your life. It's, it's kind of an odd, the odd man out. But I believe the habit of sacrifice starts with trust. It starts with you building trust in your relationship with God because you won't sacrifice back to God if you don't trust him. Trust is the backbone of our faith. It's the backbone of Christianity. And your journey of trust with God begins with sacrifice. Not our sacrifice, but Jesus's. Because Abraham didn't have to give up Isaac, but God had to give up Jesus. What Abraham didn't have to do, God had to do for you by giving up his one and only son. And through that sacrifice, God earned the right for you to trust him. You see, through Jesus, that's where our journey of trust begins. When we recognize how big our sin is, it's so big that we can't conquer it, we can't overcome it, but yet through Jesus' sacrifice, what we remember today through communion, his blood that was shed, his body that was broken, through that sacrifice, God saved us from our sin, gives us a future, and because of it, we can learn to trust him. So that's where the journey begins, but we continue to grow in our relationship with God and we continue to trust him. So the more he asks of us, the more we obey. And so to learn the habit of sacrifice, you have to grow in your trust with God. And then out of that trust, it leads to obeying God's pattern of sacrifice. You see, God didn't ask you to come up with your own pattern. He established one for his people, right? Abraham, a great nation. Through Abraham and his descendants, he created the nation of Israel. And in the Mosaic law, God established a pattern of obedience when it comes to sacrifice. It was called a tithe. And what would happen in, in, in this early age was that people would bring in their yield of the harvest, right? They would gather it in, and that was their income. And they would take the first fruits, what the Bible says. They would take the first 10%, the best, and they would give it back to God saying, hey, we're gonna live with open hands. What I have is yours. And so I'm giving this back to you out of dependence and trust in you that I know you will provide for me. And we follow that pattern today. Jesus affirms it in the New Testament of giving back to God. But I get it, sacrifice is hard. It hurts. And I, I told our church in this series at the very week one that I was gonna challenge our church. That I was gonna say, it's time to raise the bar. And so I've offered challenges after every message, right? 40 days of prayer, 52 days of reading God's word, getting in biblical community. And honestly, our church has responded. Hundreds upon hundreds of people are reading God's word, are praying and are in community. But I also recognize that this is the challenge that's probably the hardest. This is the challenge you don't wanna hear. Honestly, this is the challenge I don't wanna preach because we hold so tightly to our money. It's the last thing we give back to God. So how do we get there? I think it starts by understanding our finances. 
And so we, we offer this class every year, February 27th. We're gonna be offering a class that is really influential. It's called Financial Peace University. And we're gonna offer three classes, one at our Rochester campus, one at our Webster campus, and then one online for everybody's flexible and crazy schedules. And this class will teach you how to handle your money. It will be a great refresher for you. I'd encourage everybody and anybody to take this class. It's huge because understanding your money will set you up for financial freedom. It will. And it will set you to a place where you can actually give back to God. Some of you, you want to give back to God, but you look at your finances, you're like, I don't don't know how I'm going to do it. This class will help you get there. But maybe you're here today and you call Northridge Church home. What I'm about to say is not for our guests. So if you're a guest here today, you can relax, breathe easy, and, you know, feel bad for everybody else. But if you call Northridge Church home, this is your church. You love it. You love being a part of it. And maybe you haven't yet given back to God, or maybe you're on that journey and you want to grow in your sacrifice today. Uh, We like to do something called the 90-day giving challenge. And and we do this about once a year and we try to make sacrifice as easy as possible. And so here's how it works. If you're interested, you just go to iwant.info. It's where we go for everything, next steps. iwant.info. And here's the important thing. You, you got to sign up for this because we need a record of your name. And here's why. Because if you sign up for the 90-day giving challenge where you're saying, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it up to you. You decide in your heart what you want to give back to God for 90 days. It could be weekly, monthly, however you do it, it doesn't matter. But for 90 days, you're going to say, I'm going to sacrifice back to God. And at the end of 90 days, I don't care what the reason is. I don't care if you're like, I just need money, Drew. I don't care if you're like, I hated that. That was terrible. Whatever you say, after 90 days, if you are not satisfied, whatever that means, we'll write you a check for the full amount. And so the worst case for you is that you just established a savings account for yourself. And I promise you, if you sign up, here's the important thing, you gotta sign up. Okay, if we don't have a record of your name, it's gonna be hard to, to, to know this. So go to iwant.info, you're ready to do 90 days, we'll give you your money back. And here's what I, I, I wanna say, because I, I know finances can be really sensitive. And I know a lot of people have been burned by churches and religious people always talking about money. But here, here's the reality, I, I don't care if you give to us, I don't care if you give to another church, I don't care if you give to a nonprofit. I really don't. This is not, hear my heart. This is not about your money. It's about your heart. And I don't care. I'm not in this to to raise our budget, to get new things. Let me tell you something I've learned in ministry. God just takes care of the budget. He does. I don't worry about our finances really at all because I just trust God to provide through his people. And so this is not about somehow grabbing your money and getting a big budget. I don't care if we have a small or big budget. Guess what? We're still going to preach Jesus. And so I just want you to trust God. I want you to get to the place in your life where you look at your finances and maybe they're hard and you're you're Abraham. You're like, hey, you know what? God will provide. I'm not sweating. I'm not nervous. God is faithful. And he will be faithful, I promise. I don't know how it will. And so if that's you, 90 days, sign up online. And if, if you're not satisfied, we'll give you every single dollar back. Because here's why. You won't experience the change you want unless you're willing to sacrifice. And, and we know this to be true because true change doesn't come from our hard work. True change doesn't come from you putting up your bootstraps and and, and going after it. True change comes from the gospel of Jesus Christ because the only reason we have the capacity to change is because Jesus went to the cross so that we could change. And so today, 
would you be willing to give back to a God who gave you everything? Because you won't change unless you're willing to sacrifice. Let's pray together. God, I know this is a hard journey. And God, I just pray for our church, God, as we search our souls and our hearts. God, I pray that we wouldn't hold too tightly to anything. That we wouldn't hold too tightly to our kids, our finances, our marriages, our relationships. That, God, we would recognize that every amazing thing that we have in life is from you. We didn't earn it. We didn't achieve it. You give it to us graciously. And out of that truth, God, may we get to the place where we don't hoard things, but we live with open hands to our neighbor, to our friends, and especially back to you, God. Give us the trust. Give us the peace. Give us what we ever, whatever we need to get there. And it's only through your power that we will. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.